Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, part of growing up is becoming, wanting to become more independent. And children, I'm sure you know what that's like when you're very little. You, of course, have to have everything done for you. Your parents, your mom and dad have to help you with everything, with eating, drinking, getting dressed, and, and so on. But, but as you get older, you, you start wanting to do those, those things yourself. And, and so you learn how to do them. You, you become more and more independent. It's a natural desire for all of us. Just the other day, I, I was watching as, as, as a little child tried to reach her, her coat. It was hanging on one of, the, one of those hooks out, outside there in one place. And, and she was trying to reach for the coat. And, and her parent, her mom came and, and tried to said, oh, I can help you. And she said, no, no, I want to do it myself. She was trying to get it down and, and she wanted to do it herself. Well, desire for independence is, is good and it's a good thing to have in many ways. It helps us to grow and, and to become responsible. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being delivered from the wrath of God and again received into His favor, our desire for independence, congregation, is not a good thing. It's harmful. It's destructive. It doesn't lead to salvation, but either into proud self-righteousness and deception or into hopelessness and despair. That's really what, what Lord's Day 5 of our Heidelberg Catechism, which we, we looked at a few weeks ago, was seeking to make plain to us. That the main purpose of that Lord's Day was, was to lead sinners seeking salvation outside of themselves and away from, from self-reliance and away from reliance on any other creature to total reliance and dependence on God. It showed us that, that in order to be saved, in order to escape the wrath of God and, and to be received again into God's favor, we, we need a mediator and a deliverer who is very man, real man, perfectly righteous, and very God. It left us completely and totally dependent on God as our only hope. But just realizing our total dependence on God, our absolute need of Him, doesn't save us. The question remains, has God provided a mediator that, that person, you remember what a mediator means, children? That, that person that brings two parties, two parties that are at war with each other, that brings them together and, and reconciles them. Has God provided a mediator, the mediator we need to rescue us from our sin and depravity and the everlasting condemnation that we deserve? Well, the New Testament over and over and over again tells us he has. And it tells us who that mediator is. It's Jesus. Listen to how 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 quoted also in Lord's Day 6 in question and answer 18. Listen to how that verse speaks of Christ Jesus. The one who of God or, or by God from God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. God has provided the mediator and deliverer we need, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, for most, if not all of us here tonight, that's nothing new. We heard it even this morning. But, and we talked about the struggle this morning, too, but sometimes that struggle just keeps going. How hard it can be to receive the Savior as your Savior personally, and how hard it can be for for even old and seasoned saints, how hard it can be to rest in this Savior, in this mediator and in this deliverer. We struggle with doubts and fears about God's way of salvation. Does it really satisfy for the sins of my youth? Does it really satisfy for the sins, my sins of this very day? Is Jesus alone really able to save me? Well, that's exactly why the Bible-based teaching in Lord's Day 6 is so important and so helpful because it tells us not simply that our Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator from God. It tells us what a great and a glorious and a trustworthy mediator he is. You can count on him. You can rely on him. You can trust in him. You can rest in him and rejoice in him. That is what was with, with God's help, what we hope to see as, as we consider this Lord's Day, continuing our series on the Catechism under our theme, our Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator from God. Also in light of 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. And first, we'll see that he's so fully qualified. Secondly, he's so perfectly suitable. And third, he's so clearly made known. First of all, our Lord Jesus Christ is so fully qualified to be the mediator. And do you remember, congregation, were you listening just a few moments ago, what kind of mediator, what kind of deliverer do we need to seek? One who is very man, one who is perfectly righteous, and one who is very God. That's what we learned in question and answer 15 of Lord's Day 5. But question and answer 18, just skipping ahead for a few minutes, question and answer 18 of Lord's Day 6 on the basis of Scripture tells us that 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 mediator we need really exists. He is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is in one person, both very God and a real righteous man. In other words, he meets the requirements. He's so fully qualified. And and that's not just a nice thing to know about him. That's our life. His being fully qualified is absolutely necessary to his being our savior, our mediator. This is what questions 16 and 17 are talking about. In some ways you might think, well, didn't we hear this on Lord's Day 5? And yes, there is a bit of repetition. But it's that important, you see, that that we see why, not just that, that he is, very man and and perfectly righteous and very God, but he must be. Our mediator has to be a real righteous man. Why, question 16 asks, why is that so absolutely necessary? Because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should likewise make satisfaction for sin. And one who is himself a sinner cannot satisfy for others. The need for the mediator being a real righteous man is rooted in the perfect justice of God. Any so-called mediator, any so-called savior who is not a real man, just focusing on that for a moment, God will never accept. 
Hebrews 2, 14 to 17 tells us that Jesus Christ became man not merely so he could identify and sympathize with us. That's beautiful. That, that's, that's gold. That's precious. But he became man, verse 17 of Hebrews 2, he became man because it behooved him, meaning it, he, he, he had to. It was absolutely necessary. Why? In order to make reconciliation, the text says. Or you could translate, to make satisfaction for the sins of the people. The catechism here, congregation, is just echoing Scripture. You see that? There is no other way to satisfy God's justice. The mediator must be a real man. Imagine, children, you you broke a window in your house. You were maybe playing baseball or something closer than you, you should have been, than you knew you should have been. And the ball hit the window, and, or maybe the bat, and the, and the window broke. And your dad said, you, you have to pay the $100 it's going to take to fix it. Let's just put $100 on it. Do you think, do you think children, that if you took a piece of paper and, and you, you took a, a real $100 bill and you put it there and then you just colored and cut it to size, made your own $100 bill, and then gave that to your dad, do you think he would accept that? No, of course not. You have to pay with a real $100 bill. And so also God demands nothing less of our mediator than that he be a real man. But that's not all. He must be also, he must be also a perfectly righteous man. God gives him answers gives the reason why. Because it's impossible for a sinner, for one who is not perfectly righteous, to satisfy God's justice for others. You see, a sinner needs to satisfy God's justice, needs to satisfy God's righteousness, first for himself. And sinners cannot do that for themselves, much less for anybody else. Sinners, those who are in the flesh, Paul says in Romans 8, verse 8, cannot please God. And that's true of every one of us, in and of ourselves. Even after conversion, not a single one of us is perfectly righteous. Only a real and a perfectly righteous, fully God-approved and God-accepted man can reconcile us sinners to God. But still, that's not all. The mediator must be, in one person, also very God. That's the only way this human mediator can fully satisfy the wrath of God. Only by his being fully God can the Savior bear the full wrath of God until it is fully poured out so that he can bear it away. Nahum 1 verse 6 tells us, it uses rhetorical questions to tell us that no human being, not even the strongest man, can stand before the righteous indignation of God or abide in the fierceness of God's anger. You and I can. Not even a man like mighty Samson can. I read this week about a man who lived in the 1800s, late 1800s to early 1900s. His name was Louis Cyr. He was born in Quebec. He was known as the world's strongest man ever. Some think that he, he still is. When he was only 22, he lifted off the ground a platform with a fully grown horse on it, weighing about 1,500 pounds. Later in his life, he lifted a platform on his back 
with 18 men, which some say may have weighed altogether with the platform and the men over 4,300 pounds. He lifted a 534-pound weight with just one finger. This, this man was strong. He pushed a freight car up a hill. You, children, you think of those freight cars you see along the highway. He pushed one of those up, up the hill. Louis Theater was strong. He could do a lot. But you know there's one thing he could never do? Because he wasn't God. He could never sustain the burden of God's wrath for even one single sin. Only someone who is not only a real righteous man, but also in one person, very God, can do that. The mediator must be God. Not just, not just to be able to sustain the burden of God's wrath, but also to obtain for us and to restore to us righteousness and life. And no human being can do that either. Because ever since Adam's fall in the garden, none of us are righteous. And all of us are spiritually dead because of our fallen Adam. We forfeited righteousness and life. And then, therefore, only God can give them back. It's like children, you know, sometimes you, you do something wrong and your, your parents will, will take a, a privilege away from you. Maybe it's, it's staying up to a certain time in the evening before you go to bed. And they say, well, no, you have to, you have to go to bed early because you disobeyed. Well, what's, what's the only way you can get that privilege back? Only if your parents give it back. They alone have the power and the right to do that. In the same way, only God, the one who gave man righteousness and life in creation, only he has the power and the right to obtain for and restore to us that righteousness and life which we threw away, which we lost because of our sin. Our mediator must be a real righteous man and he must also be in one person, our creator. He must be God. These are non-negotiables, congregation. And the gospel is, the gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ is that mediator. He has met all those requirements. Just think about a few things in Jesus' life when he was here on earth that the Bible tells us about. Think about how he came to earth. He didn't just appear like an angel from, from heaven. No. He was conceived in Mary's womb and born as a little baby, just like, just like you children were born to your mom. And, and we read even that he, he grew in stature. That means he, he grew taller, just like you children are growing taller. He got hungry, the Bible tells us, and he got thirsty, and he got tired, just like we do. He walked, and he talked, and he, and he loved, and he wept, and he got, he got righteously angry. He had friends, his, his disciples whom he taught, and he had enemies, people who hated him, and he died. Doesn't this all show? Just thinking about what all we know about the Lord Jesus from the Gospels, that he is most certainly very or fully man, a real human being. But he's also different than you and me because he's perfectly righteous too. He was conceived and born sinless and holy. He, he, he never, when he was conceived and born, he wasn't like us because he didn't, 
He didn't bear Adam's sin. He didn't inherit Adam's sin with its guilt and its corruption. And he never, ever committed any actual sins either. Have you ever read the Gospels, congregation? Have you read the Gospels and ever found a place where the Lord Jesus Christ sinned? Never. He never did, even though Satan tried. And the Pharisees tried many times. They tempted him. Even in his arrest and and on the cross, Jesus never sinned. You think of how during his trial, Pontius Pilate repeatedly testified, repeatedly declared that Jesus was innocent. I find no fault in this man. The Bible says that Jesus knew no sin. He was without sin. He loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. He is holy, harmless, and undefiled, separate from sinners. He is most certainly perfectly righteous. But the Bible also declares that our Lord Jesus Christ is in one person not only a real righteous man, he is also very or truly and fully God. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses deny that. And that's why if they truly believe that in their heart, they are not Christian. No matter how much they may want you to think they are. They're Jesus is no savior at all. But think, think of how the Lord Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, God with us. And think of how many ways he showed that he is God when he was here on earth. You remember how so many times, several times, he, he told the wind and the waves to be still and they listened He healed diseases and he cast out demons. He forgave sins. Remember how the the paralyzed man came out of the, the came up, dropped down from the roof by his friends letting him down. And and the first thing Jesus says to the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees, what do they say? Who is this man that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Exactly. (laughs) He received and accepted the worship of men. John tells us that Jesus knew what was in man. And Peter confessed when when the Lord Jesus restored him and asked him, Peter, do you love me? At the third time, he said, Lord, you know all things. Only God knows all things. What all this tells us is that as Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.16, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. He is most certainly in one person, both very God and a real righteous man. The Lord Jesus Christ is fully qualified to be the mediator. Isn't he so worthy of our our adoration and of our worship? Isn't he, this mediator from God, the God, the very God that we have offended, so worthy to receive and to rest in and to rejoice in as our Savior and Lord? He is fully qualified, and he is the only one who will ever be fully qualified. I will never qualify. You will never qualify. No one will ever qualify. There is one mediator, Paul says in, in, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Dear congregation, do you know him? Are you trusting in him alone? Are
Are you united to him by faith? And are we, as a congregation, as believers, together, glorying in him, alone, boasting in him? Maybe you say, isn't boasting wrong? Isn't bragging wrong? I mean, we're sinners. You're right. There is nothing there is nothing worthy in us to boast and to glory about in ourselves. That's exactly Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 1. But when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ, oh, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You see, there's just no one like him. This brings us to our second point. He's not just fully qualified to be our mediator. He's also perfectly suitable. This is what question and answer 18 is saying with its quotation of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. The answer to the question, who then is that mediator who is in one person both very God and a real righteous man, is not simply congregation, it's not simply our Lord Jesus Christ. That would have been true, that would have been enough. But you see, the Bible says more than that our Lord Jesus Christ is fully qualified. It also says that he is the one who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In other words, our Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator from God, is made, has become everything we lack and everything we need. He is made our all. In all, he's perfectly suitable as our mediator. He has made unto us wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, the Bible uses wisdom to refer to knowledge and the ability and skill to apply that knowledge. Wise people don't merely know things, they know how to use their knowledge well. You think of it in terms of a doctor, a medical doctor. A good doctor, a wise doctor, is someone who hasn't just gone to school and, and studied a lot about, about diseases and, 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 and the human body and, and treatments and, and just knows all of that in his head. A wise doctor is someone who takes all that knowledge and is able to use it to skillfully and successfully help people who are sick, maybe by performing surgery or, or prescribing a medication or, or something else. Now, all of us, of course, would like it if we had such a doctor. The doctor's wisdom, like all human wisdom in different areas, areas of life, is a good thing. And ultimately, of course, all human wisdom comes from God. But the problem is this. This kind of wisdom, human wisdom, our own skills and abilities cannot bring us into a saving knowledge of God. Paul makes this clear earlier in 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 21, when he says, in the wisdom of God, Paul says, the world by wisdom knew not God. You see what he's saying, what he's, what he's arguing for really in this, much of this chapter is that we cannot and must not rely on human wisdom, human skill and ability in order to know God in a saving way. Because we are unable to know God. We lost that ability in the fall. Part of the image of God, the knowledge of God. To know God, we need the wisdom, the ability, and skill of God. And where is that wisdom to be found? It's found, it's embodied in the Father's 
incarnate Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He, the one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and and born of the Virgin Mary and, and laid in an animal feeding trough and then eventually nailed to a cross, he is made the wisdom of God unto us, for us, for all his people, all who trust in him. He is the light in our darkness. He is the way out of sin and death. Oh, do you see in Jesus Christ, do you see our mediator Jesus Christ as the skill and the ability of God? It is in and by him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and him crucified, as foolish as that sounds to the world. It is in and by him that we are saved, that we are brought into true and saving knowledge and glorious knowledge of God. Do you see what this means, congregation? It means that the Lord Jesus is perfectly suitable for weak and foolish and poor sinners like you and like me. But maybe you say, how can this be? I mean, I'm not just foolish and weak. I'm, I'm downright unrighteous. I'm wicked. How can this be for a wicked and unrighteous sinner like me? Oh, then keep reading because this verse spells it out. How is it that Christ has made wisdom, saving wisdom of God to a foolish, wretched sinner like you and me? How is it that he saves such people as we are? It is by him being made, becoming unto us and for us righteousness. Righteousness, that right standing with God that makes us pleasing to God. That righteousness that all of us lack. That righteousness that we lost by our fall into sin. Christ became that righteousness. He lived a sinless in a righteous life. Why? For himself? No. His obedience to God, you see, didn't save himself. He died. He was made righteousness for sinners. For God, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, God has made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ, by his death and in his resurrection and by his life, is made the righteousness of God unto us, for us. Is he not such a suitable mediator for you? Where else are you going to find that righteousness? But maybe someone says here, what, what about my remaining sin? What about my sinful nature that remains? What about the fact that there's still so much sin, even after grace, even after conversion, even in my most holy activities? Well, then listen, he is not only made unto us righteousness, he is also made unto us sanctification. He is made to us and for us holiness. Again, holiness, that total devotion to God, It's part of the image of God, just like knowledge and righteousness that we lost in the fall. We are not and cannot be holy in and of ourselves. But Jesus Christ is the Holy One, the one belonging to God, the one totally and fully devoted to God. And by his incarnation, he was made unto us sanctification. 
He was made holiness to and for us. I wonder if you children remember how many things the, the high priest in the Old Testament had to wear. All the special things he had to wear. Maybe you remember how he, one of the things was, Exodus 28 tells us about, one of the things he had to wear was a, a plate of pure gold, kind of, kind of like a, a little crown on the, on the forehead. And on that plate, on that plate of gold, children, do you remember what had to be engraven on that plate? Holiness to the Lord. And you say, well, why? Well, the Lord says why Aaron had to wear this little crown in Exodus 28, verse 38. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall, always, it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. You see, the people of Israel, even in their worship of God, that verse is saying they, they were still unholy. They were, they were imperfect as they gave their gifts even. And, and that's a picture of who all of us are. But they were accepted by God through Aaron wearing that crown. Now, now Aaron, of course, just like the people, was imperfect and unholy of himself. But he was a picture, you see, by virtue of his office as high priest. He was a picture of how Christ, our high priest, is our holiness, our sanctification. He is what makes us accepted by God. Even when there's still so much sin and imperfection still in us, in and through and by our Lord Jesus Christ, you see every believer belongs to God and is set apart to God. And yes, with the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us, Christ becomes our holiness in the sense that he also makes us more and more holy personally, more and more devoted to God. You see, our being accepted to God by virtue of Christ's holiness doesn't make us careless doesn't make the believer careless. No, because the Spirit of Christ is in him and it makes him diligent and eager. But it's all because of Christ in us. He is made unto us. He is made unto us. Sanctification. Knowledge, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, holiness, all that we lost. How perfectly suitable a mediator we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. The last description of him really sums it up. Our Lord Jesus Christ of God is made unto us redemption. Redemption. Oh, that word, that word just includes everything, doesn't it? From start to finish, He is our redemption. He is our way of full deliverance. He is the way to be freed from our bondage to sin and to death and to Satan. He is our ransom. Our Lord said it of Himself in Matthew 20, verse 28, that He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his, Himself a ransom for many. And He did. He did, didn't He? He was obedient even unto death even the death of the cross, a death which testifies that he bore the curse of God in order to release sinners like you and me, who by nature are under that curse and under the wrath of God. 
He is our redemption. And he will bring us, because he is our redemption, he will bring us all the way home. Where we will enjoy full redemption, where sin will be done away with forever, where all the brokenness in the soul, the redemption even of our bodies, risen, glorified, to be made like the body of Christ himself. Oh, what a Savior! Do you see how perfectly suitable he is? This mediator sent, given freely by God himself. He is the perfect fit. You could put it that way. He is the perfect fit for all that we need. Matthew Henry said it this way. He, he is all we need or can desire. That would, you know what that should do? It should produce a huge sigh of relief in us. There is a way. There is a Redeemer. His name is Jesus. He is fully qualified. He is perfectly suitable. Oh, oh, what a wonder. So receive him then in faith. Trust him. Rest your soul. Rest your whole self on him and rejoice in him. Glory in him. How can I know for sure Someone says, how can I know for sure that the Lord Jesus Christ really is all this, that he is the fully qualified and the perfectly suitable mediator from God? Well, this brings us to our third and last point. Our Lord Jesus Christ is also so clearly made known as our mediator from God. Question 19 asks the question, whence or from where do you know this? How, how do you know? How do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is that mediator? And the answer is from the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise and afterwards published by the patriarchs and prophets and represented by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law and lastly has fulfilled it by his only begotten son. I realize there's a lot in this and we could spend a whole sermon on this question. But do you see what it's saying? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator from God, is clearly made known. Where? In the Holy Gospel. That is the gospel proclaimed in Scripture. And where does that gospel, where, where does the good news of salvation, that's what the gospel is, where does that come from? Who has revealed this good news? God. God. The gospel congregation is not a pipe dream. It is the gospel revealed by God, the God who cannot lie, the God who, who, who speaks always only truth, the God who is truth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17 that Christ sent him to preach the gospel. But look at just in chapter 2, at the first verse. What does he call the gospel there? He calls it the testimony of of God. In Romans 1, he calls it the gospel of God. It's revealed by God. And the congregation, that makes the gospel of Jesus Christ as our mediator so completely trustworthy. And it makes it so very wrong to cast doubt on Jesus. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator from God. We know it from the Holy Gospel, the Gospel which God himself has revealed, not just here and there in Scripture, not just in the New Testament, but throughout all of Scripture. God revealed the Gospel already the moment man sinned in paradise. When he made that great promise, remember in Genesis 3.15, that God would put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and the seed of the woman would bruise, would crush the head of the serpent. And he continued to reveal that gospel with increasing detail as time went on, publishing it, making it known by the patriarchs and prophets. He published it, congregation, just to give some examples. He published it when he told Abraham, in thy seed, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He published it when he told Moses that he would raise up a prophet like him from among his brethren, whom the people must listen to. He published it when he said to David in 2 Samuel 7 that he would raise up a son whose kingdom would be established by God forever. He published it when he inspired King David to write Psalm 110, revealing that the Redeemer would, would not only be the divine king, the divine Lord, but a priest after the order of Melchizedek, the high priest, the great high priest. The prophets repeatedly promised a coming Messiah the Emmanuel who would redeem Israel from all his iniquities. In Romans 1, Paul says that the gospel of God is the gospel which he, God, had promised beforehand by, in, by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And then you think, too, of all the sacrifices and ceremonies of the Old Testament. They were God's way of representing to the people this gospel. And the point, congregation, we just need to see here is this, that all Scripture consistently witnesses to the gospel, consistently concerning our Lord Jesus Christ as the mediator from God. There is no reason to doubt Him. There is no reason to reject Him. There is no reason to look anywhere else or to boast in anyone or anything else. He, this mediator from God, our Lord Jesus Christ, is clearly made known in the gospel which God has not only consistently and continually revealed in Scripture, but has also fulfilled by His only begotten Son. The one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. You just read the Gospels, especially Matthew. You know, Matthew was writing to, mostly to a Jewish audience. And that's why that he continually points back, this Jesus, he's fulfilling this prophecy and that prophecy and that prophecy. Read it for yourself. Jesus fulfilled gospel prophecy after gospel prophecy. Why? Why, congregation? That he, the just for the unjust, might bring us to God. Oh, beloved, what a great and a glorious and trustworthy mediator, our Lord Jesus Christ is. He is the one who of God is made unto us, unto all his people, unto all who look to him, wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is the mediator from God, so fully qualified, so perfectly suitable, so clearly made known. I'll close with just one 
question for application. What are you doing with him? What are you doing with this mediator from God? Amen.